welcome to the EAU podcast. In this edition, we have Dr. Lazarus Selvez, an associate member of the EAU guidelines panel for female lower urinary tract symptoms, discussing underactive bladder in women. How do you define underactive bladder? It is important for clinicians to separate the clinical syndrome of underactive bladder from the drusor underactivity, which is a finding on urodynamic studies. Underactive bladder is defined by the International Continent Society as a symptom complex characterized by slow urinary stream, hesitancy and straining to void, with or without a feeling of incomplete bladder emptying, sometimes with storage symptoms. On the other hand, Detrusor underactivity, according to ICS, is a detrusor contraction of reduced strength and duration resulting in prolonged bladder emptying and failure to achieve complete bladder emptying within a normal time span. How common is the condition and what about its etiology? Due to a lack of uniformly accepted diagnostic criteria, it is not easy to provide an accurate estimation of prevalence. It is reported in existing literature that incidence ranges between 12 to 45% in women, with elderly and institutionalized women being more susceptible. Multiple factors contribute to the occurrence of underactive bladder, with idiopathic causes being attributed to age-dependent decrease in the treasure contractility. Nervous system diseases, such as multiple sclerosis, multiple systemic atrophy, Parkinson's disease, spina bifida, trauma, strokes, diabetes mellitus, peripheral nerve system lesions, as well as muscular system diseases and iatrogenic trauma during pelvic surgery, can lead to underactive bladder in younger patients. Regarding its pathophysiology, there are many pathways involved in normal detrusor contraction, which may all be implicated in underactive bladder. Central and peripheral nervous system disease can lead to failure of signal integration or neural processing, while muscle dysfunction leads to loss of increasing detrusor contractility. For example, in diabetes mellitus, afferent pathways and detrusor muscle are both affected. It's important to underline that several research studies imply that altered sensory protein expression, inflammation and apoptosis with pelvic ischemia can be involved in pathophysiology of the treasure underactivity. How should urologists approach patients with suspected underactive bladder diagnostically? Patients suffering from underactive bladder often report a variety of lower urinary tract symptoms, but none of them are pathognomonic. Both storage and voiding symptoms are reported, although storage symptoms seem to affect quality of life more. A specific questionnaire for underactive bladder has been designed from International Consultation on Continents. Non-invasive studies such as uroflowometry, post-void residual and bladder voiding efficiency can be useful for suspected cases, but significant overlap exists between underactive bladder and other conditions, especially bladder outlet obstruction. Therefore, Invasive urodynamic studies are used to distinguish between these two conditions. A confusing factor is that women can efficiently void just by relaxing pelvic floor without detectable detrusor contraction or increased abdominal pressure. Although the most common way of diagnosing underactive bladder is by assessing values of Qmax and detrusor pressure during Qmax, 
with or without post-void residual and bladder voiding efficiency, no consensus exists on cutoff values. Some more complex indices, such as VAT factor, projected isovolumetric detrusor pressure and bladder contractility index, can be calculated by combining urodynamic data, but no consensus on certain thresholds exists. Can this condition be managed conservatively? The main strategies to treat this condition include adequate bladder drainage either by increasing bladder contraction or decreasing urethral resistance or both. Timed voiding should be encouraged in women with altered sensation to avoid overdistension. Double and triple voiding should be encouraged in patients who don't empty their bladder adequately, but they should be warned about the risk of pelvic organ prolapse, especially if abdominal straining is applied. Clean intermittent self-catheterization has certain effectiveness and is a standard treatment after detailed explanation of the technique and associated risks. Permanent indwelling catheter remains an option when self-catheterization fails, but patients should be adequately informed about the risks of urinary tract infection, stone formation, and urethral trauma. Considering these risks, suprapohubic catheter may be preferable. Intravesical electrical stimulation and intraurethral prosthesis placement have been described, but quality of existing evidence is very low and should not routinely be recommended. A systematic review assessed data on the use of parasympathetic mimetics to directly stimulate the trusal muscle and concluded that this drug should not routinely be used for patients with underactive bladder, both due to limited effectiveness and common side effects. Data on use of alpha blockers to reduce outlet resistance indicate the positive clinical effect, therefore these drugs can be offered before considering more invasive options. Intravesical prostaglandins should be offered only within the context of clinical trials. Summarizing, the standard of treatment remains intermittent self-catheterization after appropriate training, although quality of existing data is not very high. When is surgical treatment indicated and which options exist? Generally, when conservative measures and pharmacotherapy fail, patients should be advised regarding surgical options. Sacral nerve stimulation is a therapeutic modality approved by the FDA for non-obstructive urinary retention. The mechanism of action is not fully understood with activation of afferent sensory nerves modulation of central nervous system, and inhibition of inappropriate reflexes being some of the proposed mechanisms. In a meta-analysis of existing studies, reduced post-void residual and increased voided volume were detected with sacral nerve simulation, although response rate was variable, highlighting the need for careful patient selection. Onabotulinum toxin A injected in urethral external striated sphincter is another option, which showed improvement of patient symptoms in retrospective studies, although positive outcomes lasted only for a short period of time. Transurethral bladder neck incision has shown some effectiveness in short series, but side effects such as stress urinary continence and fistula formation limit its applicability. Finally, Cystoplasty and myoplasty should not routinely be offered for underactive bladder cases. Thank you for joining Dr. Lazarus Selvez for this episode of EAU Podcast on female urinary incontinence.
For further information on the EAU guidelines on female lower urinary tract symptoms, please visit our website www.euroweb.org forward slash guidelines. Further podcasts will be posted regularly on EAU guidelines topics. For more EAU podcasts, please go to your favourite podcast app and subscribe to our EAU podcast channel for regular updates.